welcome to a sort of bonus conversation for the Tech Meme Ride Home. Um, Y'all have heard me uh, talk about this AI experiment that I was working on all summer. Uh, And finally, as you heard uh, earlier this week, we took the the wrapping off the beta test. There's real customers uh, playing with the tool now. Again, you can check it out at ResumeWriting.com. You also have heard sort of the uh, the whole saga of trying to bring this to life and how we hit a, a sort of a roadblock uh, halfway through the summer. Today, we're talking to uh, one of the team members of the uh, company that helped me overcome that roadblock. Uh, we're talking to Andrew Boss of Uptech.team. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Brian. Nice to see you. Well, first of all, you know what I want to do because I want to I thank everyone at Uptech for bringing this to life. So as I, as I expressed, um, we got the project so far, uh, but the original developer that I was working on uh, had a job, <laughs> got a job, and um, didn't have the time to, to fill in all the details. I said on the show on Monday that I'm so impressed with Uptech. Um, like you all were amazing to work with. We're on, like literally you just took it the baton and ran with it. I didn't have to even describe very much it. I was so amazed at your ability to sort of anticipate all of the the sort of rough edges and things that that we needed to sand away. So before we get into working on this project, um, you can find out more about Uptech at uptech.team. Um, but in your own words, uh, tell me uh, what, what y'all do at Uptech. Thanks. Thanks for the kind words, Brian. It was a pleasure working together, and it's been uh, really fun. At Uptech, uh, we are a award-winning design and development product studio, originally from Ukraine. We are north of 100 team members, uh, now spread, uh, of course, remote uh, all over the world, and working with uh, clients primarily from the US and Europe on such brands uh, that you might heard, uh, like Aspiration.com, uh, DollarShave.club, or Goat. Uh, and a lot of others uh, right and and let me stress that like you guys are full stack full everything like and and and, uh you know you were your listeners so you were kind enough to sort of answer the bad signal and when i said you know we need to bring this to a conclusion you stepped up but you were able to do it all and and i mean i want to stress this to anybody listening please if you've got a project of any sort like from my wild, crazy AI resume idea to, like he said, a Dollar Shave Club, um, I, I was just so thrilled with Uptech could do everything from the design to the front end, back end, the whole, everything. Like, and and I didn't know if you'd be able to handle AI stuff. So um, I'm just I, I want to stress again. I was so impressed with your ability to to basically do everything. Yeah. Thanks again. Glad to, it was noticed. It's basically, to be honest, what I've been doing. Uh, in the last 10 years, and that's uh, what we exactly focus on at Uptech, to take any uh, project from idea stage to successful release and ongoing uh, support and growth. Me, myself, uh, I love starting new projects, uh, so I literally indulged my own uh, my own wishes in uh, working on this project. I started uh, and run a couple of companies uh, before and now running like Uptech, the biggest one, a design and development studio, as well as uh, no-code studio called Sommo. Uh, we have a couple of projects in the HR sphere, uh, in people and performance management. Uh, for example, Ply that we recently exited. A bunch of products in the AI sphere, uh, a group of products called Divo. It's like miracle in Ukrainian that does uh, AI avatars, uh, e-commerce product photos, uh, professional headshots, 
and a bunch of other stuff. So I really love starting new projects. I'm this kind of uh, person who likes taking the project from zero to one, uh, from the initial idea, researching, uh, doing uh, customer interviews, prototyping, uh, bringing it all to life, releasing and uh, iterating. Again, um, uh, uptech.team, U-P-T-E-C-H.team. Um, we're we're going to talk about AI stuff, but um, like literally any product, any sort of way, like they can do it all. I'm just so impressed. But so this was an AI um, sort of experiment, a sort of tool. Um, are you all, w- when you're working with clients, are, are you seeing a lot of that now, people looking to um, implement AI stuff into whatever it is, whatever product it might be? Are you seeing uh, a lot of adoption of AI stuff right now? Yeah, of course. Like literally every new project uh, in some way or another talks about AI and discusses uh, ways to implement uh, some sort of uh, AI features in their projects. Typically, it's not super like low level or super hard. Uh, like a couple of generative uh, AI requests to uh, open AI APIs or similar. Uh, but uh, sometimes it's uh, much more low level stuff where we need to, to uh, gather our own data sets, design uh, different kind of uh, NLP or other models, train them, see, measure their temperature output uh, and uh, fine tune where needed. For example, in our own products, we added uh, AI on almost every one of them. Like uh, it answers our support tickets, for example, for our uh, tool called Natively uh, that uh, wraps websites into the uh, mobile applications. It's a lot, a lot of documentation uh, and details on how to do it correctly because of different Apple and Google policies. And we were like literally drawing, uh, drowning in support requests uh, from users, like how to do that, how to do this. And uh, now plugging in and training uh, model on our content and using it to respond to users, it's uh, it lifted like I don't know fifty percent of work for the for the whole project. Yeah, you. We were just talking uh, before this call actually about um, implementing some sort of like an AI bot to to for for customer service purposes for people trying out the the resume project and like getting stuck and having questions and having the AI pop up and and you know uh, answer those questions and so like was this something you know, uh, that there was a learning curve when you guys have to start to incorporate this stuff in what you're doing, or is it, are the APIs, my sense of this, again, not as a developer or whatever, but it it's sort of like the APIs, it's just plug and play like anything else, like any database or any other tool that you integrate into what you're developing. And as long as you can do those API calls, if on the lowest level, it's not super complicated other than plugging it in, is that sort of the, the 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 lay of the land right now in terms of especially working with open AI? Yeah, especially, you're totally right. Especially working in the open AI, you can start super fast and very easy. Just plug and play and you get simple request respond and you can plug it into almost any sort of project to help you do summarization, some suggestions, etc. But of course, the devil is uh, in the details and uh, with this kind of approach, you can do fairly limited uh, and uh, simple sort of functionality if you need to do a little bit more uh, advanced stuff uh, you need to, to do much more work and uh, have much more understanding of how it works and to be, be able to leverage like temperature mm-hmm. uh, frequency penalties uh, able be able to uh, convert your data sets 
uh, into VectorDB and uh, use it, uh, plug it into the existing models, uh, etc. So yeah, it's uh, and it's great that you can start like literally in a couple of hours, uh, but then to get it uh, actually working uh, and working nicely, then you need to spend a little bit more time. For example, like uh, on the AI resume, uh, to get you a quick summary of your resume, it's like literally uh, five minutes of work. You want to do one request, but in our case, we needed to do it in a structured way uh, to make it output uh, a well-formatted JSON with uh, a bunch of keys and a lot of data at the end that went out of the token, uh, the default token limit of GPT-4 and even the GPT-3.5 Turbo 16K limits, so that we had to be much more creative in terms of uh, what kind of prompt we write, uh, how we split it into separate chunks, mm -hmm. and what kind of uh, input information goes into each request so that it both has uh, the context in order to give the response, give it in the style and the level of details that we want it, uh, as well as uh, preferably hallucinate uh, fewest. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the thing that I found, a couple observations from my end, you know, one of the reasons why I did this was to learn on a fundamental level what this is like to, to create products using this tech. Um, what, what you described is like when, when Chris and I talk about like AI varietals and like it's, it, it, like you said, you can get started really easily, but then to get the quality on the back end, the output, the way you want it, that's where it's sort of like an art, not a science. It is sort of like massaging the prompts and things like that. Now, you, you were describing that, you know, we were running into rate limits and things like that with the OpenAI API. So we were almost by necessity having to get more creative and more efficient. But the same can be said, like you were saying there at the end, for it's, it's all about massaging the AI to make it more accurate or to get the results in a more formatted way or something like that. So is, is that your sense too, that there's, there's no real, there's no real hard and fast rules for how this, it, it is sort of like seeing what works, massaging it until you get the, the outputs that you want. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. Uh, this is both what I allow and hate about uh, working uh, with AI. It's more art than a science. And uh, as you well put it, it's like massaging. Uh, we had to do lots of lots of iterations of prompts to get it working for AI resume, for example. Uh, and uh, it's good that we didn't yet have to fine tune uh, the base model because now you can fine tune uh, uh, GPT uh, four and it works quite well. And we, when we were working on the projects, when we did have to fine tune the base model, for example, on like AI avatars or uh, other products, it's uh, like you have. 15, 20 different parameters that influence the fine-tune model. You change one of them, start the fine-tune. Two hours later, you get the fine-tune model, and then you start like 10, 20 prompts to see how it works. And then you change another parameter and repeat the same again. Like in a couple of hours, you get mm -hmm. the uh, mm -hmm. output and you repeat it uh, for like dozens and dozens of time. I was uh, at once, uh, at one time I was, uh, thinking about quitting this whole field altogether and not getting <laughs> getting back to it. Uh, so that's what you have to be ready for. When I mean, on, on some level, that's, that's all sort of software developing is like, you think you know, if you, if you write the code this way, you think you know what the output will be, the end result. And it's not always perfect, but that's what the refining is. But it's almost like, 
it's 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 several degrees beyond that because like you're describing you refine the model and you don't necessarily have any idea what that'll do until then you can actually test it like that i can see that that that's like a sort of a, sh a radical shift in like how you work if if like you think you know what the th stuff will do but you really have no idea until like you've you've massaged it like that that can either be frustrating or like amazing or interesting i don't know uh yeah you sometimes just have no idea and it's like you're hoping it will work well and the, another paradigm shift that we had to like accept in working uh, and developing ai products is that uh, before you could, for example, like uh, cover with tests and uh, be like 99.9% sure the program behaves well uh, in the use cases that you designed for. With the AI, you can never be sure, you know, more than 90% or even mm. 70, 80 that it will behave well. You have to accept that uh, in certain cases it will hallucinate, it will give wrong responses, strange responses, uh, no ex no responses, just you know, outright break. And uh, you have to incorporate your product uh, and messaging to your users uh, and right. the feedback loop uh, with this in mind so that you first warn your users that it right. might happen so right. that they are not uh, disappointed and don't start immediately asking for refunds uh, or writing bad feedback. When it does it like bad, you need to give users a way to redo the, you know, the, the resume, the prompt, whatever they were doing for. Uh, and you provide lots of feedback loops so that they can give you a response of what worked well and not. So you can incorporate this feedback into further fine tuning and refining. Right. Well, uh, and, and let me, let me, let's, yeah. I'm going to use, I'm going to use what we have done as, as a tangible example. So, you know, listeners, if you check it out and fiddle around at resumewriting.com, the idea is that um, once you feed the AI your career history, um, going forward, what you would do is cut and paste in a job opening. And then um, the AI would tweak what we call your foundation resume. Let's call it 15% or 20% to incorporate some of the keywords and some of the expectations that that job opening uh, would present. So that, you know, if you've created the foundation resume that's based on your career history, but you are applying for a job that has XYZ requirements, it would tweak your resume slightly to, you know, rewrite the language of, okay, here is a resume that would be targeting, more specifically targeting this job opening. So what you just said about the hallucinations, it's never going to be perfect in the sense that um, we knew that like it would say something like it would invent, let's say you're applying to a job that has a, um, you know, a job requirement that maybe you hadn't done before. Well, the AI would change your resume to say that you did it. Well, we, we know <laughs> that that's not the, we, what we built into the product was that people would have to assume, all right, what the AI has done has retargeted your resume. It's up to you to refine it. So like, that's such an interesting thing that you're saying is that we, from day one, assumed that it wasn't going to be perfect because in a sense, how could it be? Right, it doesn't know necessarily what you have or haven't done. It only knows what you have done because we we fed that into the AI. So this concept of when we were when we were thinking about this as a product, it's doing something that wasn't possible before, which is it is with a push of a button in like thirty seconds, rewriting your resume to retarget it to a specific job, which 
in the past, in real life, would take you at least a half an hour to do, or like, you know, tweaking and editing and refining. So this eliminates, you know, a lot of the busy work step. It's still not perfect. It still requires the human to sort of guide the AI, number one, but then also correct the AI's mistakes. So it, like that was, that was sort of interesting to me that we sort of knew that from the beginning that we can't guarantee you this will be perfect. It'll get you 90% of the way there and save you time. So that's at, at least for certain things, that's where we are now with this technology, which is if it's something that can save the user time and get them 90% of the way there, if that's enough of a trade-off, if the time saving is worth the 90% so that you have to still go back and edit the 10%, refine the 10%, there, that's still a decent trade-off. You just have to, as you're saying, be intelligent about preparing the users for that, which is like, this is not a 100% solution, but this is a shortcut solution. And so you have to you have to think about that in terms of product design in terms of the user expectation and in terms of like helping them help you refine it to, to get to that 100 percent yep yep exactly and that's for example in case with uh, ai resume with resumewriting.com we output the final resume not in pdf format but in the world document uh, so that you can uh, go and uh, fix this last uh, right. 10 15 uh, percent that you would like to tweak remove right. the hallucination or uh, be more specific in terms of what your experience, but the core, the foundation of your resume is already there. You have the formatting, you have the right. well-written professional, uh, ex uh, professionally written uh, summary of your resume, your responsibilities, your achievements, uh, and your career goals. Right. And, and, and so I'm using us as an example, because if you think of the product as that, where you can, uh, you can prepare the users for that. There's still going to be a little handholding that they need to do, but if it if they get enough of a again shortcut out of it, I think that there can be value there. So what we built in was if if it were 100% perfect, we'd deliver you a PDF, right? But because we know that you're going to need to tweak it a little bit, then the way the product was designed was okay. Cut and paste in nine different jobs. Here are nine different resumes. Download them immediately. And then when you're ready to apply, go in, spend five more minutes tweaking it to, to keep the wording that the AI did for you because it wrote it more professionally than probably you would have. But it also maybe uh, lied <laughs> about what you did trying to sell you. And so it's incumbent upon you to keep the, the, the instinct of the AI to sell you, but make the selling accurate. So like, again, I'm I'm thinking of anybody listening out there that is is thinking of designing with a similar AI product. We tried to make it easy not only to then do the extra tweaking to get 10% of the way there, but prepare the customer to be like this is the process. The process is shortcut and then we'll make it easy for you to to make to tweak the AI till it's perfect. Yep, yep, exactly. That's you definitely we need to be aware and prepare your users and communicate it well, because users definitely won't like uh, the bad uh, results at the end. Another approach that we did uh, in some other of our products is to just write from the beginning, generate uh, and produce not one, but uh, like four, 10 uh, results or examples so that uh, users can uh, select choose. the best one. Yeah. Yeah. Select the best one and just trash uh, all the others. Uh, and that's it. 
Recently, the world learned the power of artificial intelligence, a technology cybersecurity leaders have been leveraging for years. Now, as AI expands and evolves, those same security leaders are left wondering where humans fit into the next generation of AI-empowered security tools and solutions. Arctic Wolf, the industry leader in managed security operations, seeks to answer this question in their newly published report, The Human-AI Partnership. Access the insights of over 800 cybersecurity decision makers in North America and the United Kingdom to better understand how organizations are weighing the benefits and risks of deploying AI tools. Uncover the biggest obstacles to turning AI and human engineers into a formidable team. Discover why the near-term benefits of large language models are being upended by a crucial flaw in the technology. And learn what the rise of AI tools mean for human practitioners moving forward. Get your copy today at arcticwolf.com slash techmeme. That's arcticwolf.com slash techmeme. We're being sponsored today by a company on a product that longtime listeners know I have used for years and cannot literally cannot live or at least work without it. One Password. One Password combines industry-leading security with award-winning design to bring private, secure, and user-friendly password management to everyone. Companies lose hours every day just from employees forgetting and resetting passwords. A single data breach costs millions of dollars. One Password secures every sign-in to save you time and money, any device, any time. One Password lets you securely switch between iPhone. Android, Mac, and PC with convenient features like autofill for quick sign-ins. All you have to remember is the one strong account password that protects everything else. Your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. 1Password generates as many strong, unique passwords as you need and securely stores them in an encrypted vault that only you have access to. I started using 1Password, what, a decade ago? Join me and over 100,000 businesses on board the 1Password bandwagon. Because right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at onepassword.com slash ride. That's two free weeks at the number one, the word password, all one word, dot com slash ride. Onepassword.com slash ride. The, right. I think, I think, yeah, the, me- the message that Andrew and I are trying to convey here is that um, you as a developer of the product shouldn't expect the AI to be perfect. And so you need to bake into the product that expectation as well for the user. Um, but if you can shave down the rough edges and show people that you're, again, it, it's something that wasn't possible before. Like you can sit down at resumewriting.com and generate 15 resumes in a half an hour for 15 different jobs. Like that would have been hours and hours and hours of work before. Um, so I think that the big lesson, the big takeaway for anyone listening is you need to assume in your development that it's not going to be perfect, but you need to build that imperfection into the product in such a way that the user feels that they're empowered um, because that's where we are with this tech right now. It, it, it's, it's never going to, it's not perfect. You can't expect it to generate the ideal document, but you can't, if you, if you build those constraints into the product in a, an intelligent and empathetic way, um, then again, you can you can show the user that that there's um, there's real uh, benefits to it. L- let me let me ask you one more thing. And to the degree, obviously, we we're not going to share sort of our secret sauce of, sauce of the prompting that we were doing. But <laughs> I still find it fascinating that even on the developer side, we're literally prompting it by saying things like, "Imagine you're a professional resume writer and you're writing a professional resume for a nurse." 
Now, again, we're not going to share the other ways that we've tweaked it to be a little more sophisticated from that. But on a base level, that's still what we're doing, is we're telling the AI to imagine this task. Imagine your resume writer. There's not anything technical about, like, obviously, when you get deeper into the weeds of, like, changing temperatures and things like that. But on a fundamental level... What we're doing for this product is asking the AI to pretend to be a professional resume writer. Um, I just find that so fascinating, again, that there's it, it's, it's more art than science. Like, it's literally asking the AI to play pretend in a way. Uh, yeah, it's kind of fascinating. It's almost like talking with the uh, person who has feelings. And like if you ask it kindly and gently, uh, it will be more responsive and better. Uh, I guess it's uh, the, it's just uh, helping in the massive training data set that it was uh, trained on. It's just giving you the keys or the vectors in what direction it should go to mm -hmm. uh, so that it uh, outputs uh, the completions. Of the, the right, tokens. and it could be things like, okay, say this, but more professional sounding. Say this, but more efficient. You know, sometimes like you or can concise. get right concise right it, it, where it goes on too much and so then it's like okay still be professional but <laughs> be a little more concise you know and it's yeah or, or don't or don't repeat the company name in every sentence right that right we struggled on but then like so okay i you know when we were testing this and i would put in my own career and i would say i would literally be like okay podcast producer right um and so my last three jobs uh wh whatever but it would do things like uh, if you know the podcast industry, there are there are companies like um, Pineapple Street and and obviously um, who's the company that did Serial uh, and uh, anyway, it would when it would write the job history, it knew enough to know it would like say okay he worked at Pineapple Street and he did you know he he created daily news shows like it knew about Ride Home Media it knew about Pineapple Street and so like again that was like the hallucination well I never actually worked at Pineapple Street. But that's the sort of massaging that it can do. Like, it would come up with things that I was like, how does it know that? Right? Um, so I, I, I just find it so fascinating that it is sort of still a black box where you're, you're, you're sort of pushing the levers, but you, you can't see what the levers are actually doing. So it's all about sort of like playing the piano, but not being able to see the cables on the inside of the piano, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, just yeah, but it, it's still super impressive, like uh, the quality of the results yeah. of the resume. Like yeah. uh, at the end of uh, after all the prompting, like uh, as you mentioned, uh, uh, me and all my friends were stunned of the quality uh, and the professionalism. And uh, right, and uh, that's and that's why it actually works because so again, using our thing as an example, um, when you cut and paste in a new job opening we were like, well, what is it going to do? Just grab some of the keywords from the job opening? No, it fundamentally rewrites like your foundation resume to, to make it more targeted towards what that job is asking for. So it, it wasn't, it's not just a, a fancy copy and paste that does it for you. It's like, okay, yeah, here's, here's your career. But what this job is asking for is you might be a nurse, but what this job is asking for is a, a pediatric nurse, right? And so it, without you having to tell it, it would rewrite what your career history is like to make it more targeted towards, it would say things like, well, have worked in OR situations before, which might be applicable to, you know? And so it would, it would know intuitively to, to refine it in a way that maybe if you're not a great writer, you wouldn't think of. 
And then so all it was was your job to go through and be like, okay, I see how it's targeting in this direction. So all I've got to do is keep sort of the direction that it has, keep the wording that it has, but replace it with the actual stuff that is is accurate, right? And by the way, saying that it's hallucinating, it's not like it hallucinates 100%. It hallucinates here and there. So it was just so yeah. fascinating how it fundamentally reworked things based on the the job posting you would put in. Um in a way that was like we're saying like 90% what you needed and then it's just incumbent upon you to go in and, and tweak it a little bit yeah yeah exactly and the, the way it's picked from the focus of the job opening uh, what will be the your areas of responsibility right and from your history pick the same areas of responsibility and highlight uh, them instead of like others that you highlighted for other job posts and not only like areas of responsibility but uh, as well as your previous uh, experience, uh, right. your previous education, your uh, tools that you worked with uh, and the technologies and uh, uh, just to reward it and emphasize the one that would likely be noticed and matched with the hiring manager. Right. Like, let's say here's, here's another example. And again, you can try this out for yourself to see it. Like, um, let's say you're in sales and you're going into pharmaceutical sales uh targeting doctor's offices but you only have previous sales experience selling used cars or something like that like what it would do is it would show you like okay but to sell to doctor's offices sell to pharmacies you would want to highlight that you have experience um selling to enterprise not just consumer you, you see what i'm saying like it would tweak in a way where it would sort of guide you in the direction of okay you want to we're going to use your experience but we're going to sort of rework it in a way that makes sense for the fact that you're targeting pharmaceutical sales, even though you come from used car sales, right? Um, and so, like, that's such a big thing. Again, you know, having worked in the resume writing industry for for twenty years, like, you know, especially for like um, ex-military people, you know, rewriting a resume f using military skills, but then making them applicable for um, uh, um, what's the opposite of military? Um, uh, civilian for for civilian experiences and things like that. So like that, that was the part that was so magical is it's like, it knows to do that for you. Um, and so it gets you there and you can do it over and over and over and over and over and over again. And then just when it's like, all right, it's time to apply. I need to spend five minutes tweaking this and boom, I can go. Um, so anyway. Yeah, and just two two years ago, it was like unimaginable. Uh, right. It's uh, it's amazing where we come through in two years. My only regret is that it feels like for me that uh, it, even though it's already it feels like magic, this last 10, 20 percent, mm -hmm. I I would say it's probably not gonna be fixed in the nearest uh, couple of years or maybe even couple of dozens of years. It's like with the AI uh, with self-driving cars. Right. They were almost exactly. working for decades. But uh, this like last like few percents are still not there. That's funny. I've thought about that so many times too. In terms of like, will that be a similar thing for this generative stuff? But at the same time, like um, you know, because of rate limits, like we we had to pull back to three point five turbo from GPT four, and the difference between GPT four and even three point five turbo was noticeable enough that if we could afford it. I'd go back to four <laughs> tomorrow. So it, it makes me think like, okay, but what will five be like? Do you know what I mean? Like, will five take us from the 90% of the way there to 95% or will it jump from 90% to 99%, you know? Um, 
because like I said, the fact that you can notice the quality difference from 3.5 turbo to four suggests to me that there step changes are possible. Like you can get exponential with this stuff, but I mean, we'll, we'll find out. Time will tell on that, I guess, but. Yeah, we'll find out. When you upgrade, uh, all our users will see. Yeah. Um, so Andrew, again, I want to say again that, you know, thank you for being listeners and, and hearing that, you know, we had gotten sort of stuck. Um, I cannot stress enough that I was blown away by your ability to unstuck the project and intuitively know sort of the things that like, oh yeah, we probably need a dashboard here. <laughs> you all were so smart about that because clearly you're experienced, but you're also talented at this. So I want to stress again, any product, project, website or whatever, like if, if you're a listener to this show, uh, Uptech is our official, our official partner for anybody that wants to do a project, please get in touch with them at uptech.team or get in touch with me and I'll put you in touch with them. Um, I, again, I'm just singing your praises. I love Uptech. So anything else you want to say about um, your team? Thanks. Uh, it was a pleasure working together. I just want to mention that we work not only with stock projects, we work with uh, other projects as well. If you have just a brand new project, feel free to come to us. Uh, we'll if you're dreaming help. something up, um, again, they're so intuitive. Like go, go just have a conversation with them and whiteboard with them and they'll help you figure out if you're at the earliest stages. If you just have an idea, they're, they're amazing. Yeah, we'll go ahead and take you from the idea, help you figure out the uh, feature set for who you're uh, focusing your project, what should be included in the first version, what should be postponed, help you prototype it and then develop and obviously launch and scale. We've been doing it for 10 years. Uh, I love it. We designed like the whole project, uh, our the whole team around this idea of being able to assemble uh, your, uh, assemble the product team, uh, get into the context, uh, talk to users, uh, become like uh, true owners of the idea and the product and get it to market as fast as possible and as efficient as uh, possible. Right. That's that's one more key point. Um, you know, I'm describing them helping me get it to market. But what we're in the process of right now is, you know, we've been testing it. So now we're refining things. Um, and, and so, you know, they're they're very good at that as well, like helping us figure out where their bottlenecks are for user adoption or where users might have problems and tweaking the product um, to make it as, as smooth as possible. They can do it all. Um, yeah, so we did we did the first ninety percent of the product. Now uh, we're in the process of completing the other ninety percent. It keeps that's the <laughs> theme of this conversation is is getting that last ten percent. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, again, anyone listening, Uptech is our official partner of the podcast at this point because they're so amazing. Any any project that you need help on, get in touch with them at uptech.team. Um, and see what they've done at resumewriting.com. Um, check it out. And I hope that this has been as interesting to learn about, like, sort of the nuts and bolts of how many times at the beginning of this year did I say, is there a real business there? And I've learned so much in terms of, like, what it takes to create a real business and a real product around this tech. So, uh, Andrew, again, thank you. Thank you for helping uh, me run this experiment and uptech.team, right? Yep. Pleasure yeah. working together. And, uh, Looking forward to working on more projects. Yep. Thank you much. Thank you.